My name is David Yun, and welcome to my viewfinder. This is a podcast where I speak to photographers about why they shoot as opposed to what they shoot with. My hope is to produce inspiring content to get you out there looking at the world creatively. Each episode will end in a thought or project to help bring this to the fore, so make sure you get to the end and uh, interact with me. If you're interested in continuing this project with me, you can help me out by clicking subscribe uh, and leaving me a review on your podcast platform of choice. You can also find me on Instagram at my viewfinder podcast. Uh, I'm on Twitter at MVF podcast, or you can email me directly at mvfpodcast at gmail.com. This week, I had the pleasure of talking to Greg Gurley. Greg is a commercial and fine art photographer here in Calgary. I met Greg a few times over the last few years at several of his shows, but this will be the first time I've been able to sit down with him and actually meet, uh, at least over Zoom. And you know, what a conversation we had. In this, the first part of that conversation, I learned of his balanced approach to the craft. He explains to me how commercial work and fine art work can inform each other and how social media is not the bane of existence, but rather another form of artistic expression, but one like fast food that needs to be consumed in moderation. Greg's a photographer by nature, and he shines light on how to maintain creative engagement in our passion. Most beautiful sight you've ever seen. What's the most beautiful sight you've ever seen? Oh yeah, that's a, that's a good one too. Um... You know, the, again, I think one of the first thing that pops into mind, and it, it might be the cliche answer, is when I'm able to travel and I go on a trip somewhere. And, you know, recently it's been Cuba, you know, which has been fantastic, um, you know, from a visual sense, just getting into Havana and, and shooting the places and the people. Um, that stands out. But, but one that really stands out in my mind is from a while back. And this was actually, I was assisting a photographer from Japan and he was photographing for a catalog. It was a clothing and equipment catalog, probably similar to our Eddie Bauer. So outdoor wear, it was a little more extreme and the project took us up to the Arctic circle. So we flew commercial to uh, Inuvik and then took uh, a bush plane to a place called Herschel Island, which is just inside the Arctic circle. And, you know, it was amazing. And, and I think what's interesting was it's, you know, you think of that part of the world as being very desolate, which is true. There's not a lot of things to look at, but the tundra and the textures and the light is just something else. You know, we had, you know, this great bush pilot and he was able to find while we were flying to our location in this valley, a herd of muskox which if people aren't aware, they're like this mm, buffalo type, bison type animal, but they have these big long horns that drop down and they're very woolly, almost like a woolly mammoth. They look prehistoric. So to be in this place where there's nothing around, no people, no structures, and this herd of must've been two or 300 muskox was, it blew my mind. It was just incredible. So that was a really, really interesting time for sure. And, and one of the benefits that I've, you know, I consider myself lucky in, if you want to call it a career, the ability to go places and to see things that are those things that blow your mind, but probably you wouldn't 
um, have an opportunity to do otherwise. So travel and experience. I think one of the great things about, well, for me being a photographer, but I think anybody who's interested in photography is curiosity. Um, and curiosity always, um, you know, if, you, if you're curious about something, you have an interest, I think there's always a reward at the end of it. And, and in this instance, it was, you know, people don't plan a vacation to the Arctic Circle generally. But having this opportunity and seeing something that I probably never would have had the chance to otherwise is fantastic. And then again, the other end of that scale is yesterday here in Lethbridge, taking a walk down through the coolies to the river bottom and always finding something that is interesting or beautiful or unexpected. So I guess that's great. It gives you the opportunity to see these magnificent um, otherworldly places, but you can also get that same sort of a feeling if you walk down your alley or to a park or to somewhere nearby, wherever you are, and you have that element of curiosity as your motivation, you see things a little differently. And I'm always, you know, I can walk the same path down at the river here, and I've done it, you know, since last March. And I always find something interesting. Like in my head as I'm driving, I'm like, well, here we go again. It'll be the same old thing. And I'm going to see the same things. And I'm 100% always surprised by something new and interesting. But yeah, Arctic Circle would be number one on the list for me. Well, I don't know. Do you think that, uh, like, do you, is it something that is more powerful with or without a camera? So do you think yeah, the value is just in the experience of it or is it, as a photographer, it's because you got to quote unquote capture it? Well, that's totally um, depends on the person experiencing it. But here, you know, I, I, um, I've been teaching at the Alberta University of the Arts. I was a student there many years ago, but now I teach. And one of the things I always tell my students is that it's really important to physically be present for this experience. And again, whether it's on a, you know, some exotic location or wherever you are, it might be a sunset in your backyard. So important to, I think, to experience it first and photograph it second. Um, I think with our phones and with how, you know, digital cameras where we have this immediate gratification, sometimes we forget to enjoy the experience because we're too focused on capturing it. And I always, you know, you go to, maybe you're going to the mountains to Banff or whatever, and you have this beautiful vista that you're going to photograph. And maybe you've got your camera or you've set your iPhone to the panorama and you're just, your head is in that. At either before you do that or after you do it, take 10 seconds, take 30 seconds to just stop and experience it live because that's, you know, that's what brought you out there. Now, I have to remind myself of that, too. You go out and you're like, wow, this is great. And the light's perfect. And look at these trees or the, whatever it is. And then you're like, okay, just enjoy it for a second. Because a lot of times you go out and there's this sort of this frenetic activity about, you know, shooting and looking. And maybe you're doing a little editing on your phone prior to posting or whatever it is. And it's really easy to miss out on the physical real experience. So um, yeah, take a, take a minute at the very least to just stop and look and, and experience. My Viewfinder is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, locally grown, community supported. If you're looking for more Albertan podcast content, check out their website, albertapodcastnetwork.com. If you're looking for them on Instagram and Twitter, 
The handle is at albertapodnet. This episode is brought to you by Park Power, your friendly local utilities provider in Alberta. Offering internet, electricity, and natural gas with low rates, awesome service, and profit sharing with local charities. In Alberta, you get to choose who you buy your internet, electricity, and natural gas from. If you choose Park Power, you are choosing a positive local business. Plus, Park Power shares its profits with local not-for-profits that are working to make a difference for their communities. Shopping local is very important to Park Power's owner, Chris Kozowski, and we love local here at the Alberta Podcast Network, so it's a great fit. Learn more at parkpower.ca. Do you think, so, uh, you know, delving a little bit into where you come from, where does photography enter your life? And do you think that's, uh, so speaking specifically to this idea of experiencing life, is that something that's changed because you've had a camera or is that something you think you've believed before you started taking pictures? Um, you know, it is an interesting idea of like how we experience the world. For me, has changed a lot once I get a camera. And to your point, I often intentionally leave my camera at home uh, because I do find once I have it, I'm thinking completely differently. But wow, uh, that I admire that. I don't know if I could do that, <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but I think it's great. And for me, they go hand in hand um, to the point I don't think they could separate. And I can still remember you know the moment um for me when that connection was made and it was my grade seven shop class where we had a unit you know different units so you worked did woodworking and then you took a lawnmower engine apart and one of those units was photography so we had a pentax k1000 and we went out we shot a roll of film and brought it back and there was a dark room where we processed and made a print and and i can still remember that and maybe a common experience to people who've worked in the darkroom where you put that sheet of paper in the tray of developer and you see that image come up and it's magic. I know that's a cliche, but it's a really, um, I think, a really accurate description to see that image come up um, on this piece of paper that is something that you controlled right from the minute you pushed the shutter button. And, and here in Lethbridge, it was at Hamilton Junior High and in the back part of the school was a bike rack. And, and my first shot that I ever took and printed and, or developed and made a print of was, was these bikes, you know, jammed into this bike rack. And it was, I guess, line and texture. And it sort of reminded me at the time of, you know, two Calvaries when they clash and they meet together. It's this jumble of shape. And um, that was it for me. Once that happened, I'm, it was over. <laughs> and, and, you know, I've been, that's what I've been doing ever since, looking and taking pictures and communicating visually but yeah it was junior high grade seven hamilton back at the bike racks i wasn't there to fight i was there to to create <laughs> you know to your earlier point uh with digital photography i wonder you know this uh it is a bit cliche and i'm probably over um summarizing i guess an experience but i do feel like the instant gratification of our digital world is changing how we relate to something like taking your time to take a picture, um, having to wait for it to develop, to appreciate the, it is, you know, chemical processes are, are fascinating, but we live in a point and shoot world. Um, yeah. As a teacher, do you find it's getting harder to communicate to young people about uh, the, or do, is there even still a value in that experience of waiting? Um, like, what do you see? Well, it, it, I, you know, I think it, it's both. It's good and it's and it's a, a challenge. And 
one of the things I've done at, at school with my class, you know, when everyone comes and they're getting ready for their first assignment and they bring, of course, their digital cameras, is taking a roll of black gaff tape and covering everybody's um, screen on the back of their camera and then telling them your assignment is to go out and say, shoot a tree, um, but you can't look at the back of the camera and you can only take, you know, 36 or 40 frames or pictures and then come back and we'll look at them. And I joke that when you cover the back of their camera, it's like you've poked their eyes out. Um, but the point of that is, again, it's it forces them, and this is sort of what we talked about a bit before about experiencing the situation, it forces them to be present in what they're doing. And I think anybody who takes digital pictures, myself included, Sometimes we take the picture and we quickly look on the back of the camera and, you know, it's this activity of evaluating after the fact. And I think sometimes what's more rewarding, um, and this goes back to analog where, you know, if you make a mistake, you won't know till hours or sometimes days later. And by that time, your experience is complete. It's done. It's long ago. So to, um, be focused and present with what you're seeing through the viewfinder um, and not necessarily having that opportunity to check yourself, you know, fractions of a second after you've made the photograph teaches you to see. And um, that is, you know, our, I mean, our culture, not just in photo, but everything is so instant gratification from microwave ovens to, you know, fast food. And there's a time and place for that. And so it's not that that's always bad, but it, I think the depth of the experience is minimized um, when it's instant gratification. You miss out on a lot. And, and that's, you know, having a look with your camera and scanning that viewfinder while you're looking through the camera and making those choices because you don't know if it's going to be right or not and you don't want to make a mistake. And so it creates more care. Slowing down is great. And you can do that with a digital camera. You can slow yourself down. But I think that that's, you know, sometimes you don't have that opportunity or that chance. And it's great to be able to photograph really quickly. But the experience um, is enriched, in my opinion, if you do slow down and you do make the picture in your head before you, you know, you've pushed the button. I'm thinking about that adage, uh, easy come, easy go. I think, uh, yeah. It's interesting. Yeah, it's it's like, well, you know, fast food is, you know, if you want to compare it to that, you, you don't really sit down and enjoy the experience um, over an hour, you know, eating your Big Mac. But when you think about a time when you did have a, a sit down dinner and you there was conversation and, you know, you you had time to slow and taste the food and you weren't sitting in the, you know, the seat of your car it's a it's a wonderful experience and and in some ways more enriching than that fast food but when you're pressed for time and you're hungry and you just got to get something to eat thank god for fast food so two completely different experiences and i'm of the the opinion that you should take advantage of both one shouldn't take over the other and that goes for for photography as well that you know yeah there's times when you can go out i've done it take a an iphone photo and look at it really quick and be happy with what you got. It's a rewarding experience. But the experience of taking a digital camera or even an analog film camera and your tripod and walking around and, and searching for that photograph and then fine-tuning it before you've even captured the image, that's a completely different experience. 
just as, if not more rewarding in my mind. And, and I think too, uh, I think it's less, it's happening less and less because we're, you know, we're getting wrapped up in this, this sort of whirlwind of that instant gratification and the latest and the greatest technology. And that, you know, the, the result is taking precedence over the process. And for me, the process is what's, what's really rewarding. I was thinking when you were talking about uh, heading out into the uh, tundra, you know, you do get, uh, well, at least I view you as somebody who has, uh, I think this shows too with the way, like you, how you talk about food. You have um, a balance between, let's say, commercial photography, art photography, your teaching. Um, there's a, a great sort of, yeah, sense of being in the middle and, and not pushing against something. Um, and when I heard you talking about heading into the tundra, I mean, there are experiences, I think, that can only, for example, be funded by a commercial project. And there are experiences like walking in a park where any of us could potentially do that. I mean, in your life as a photographer, what are the, how, like, how do you find a middle road there? Uh, I feel like the characteriz characterization of a commercial photographer is like selling your soul, yeah. getting that money, instant gratification. But yeah. I don't think that's entirely true. <laughs> well, it doesn't have to be, but I think uh, um, the, the artist or the photographer has to be aware of um, what their motivation is and what the rewards of that motivation are. And again, you know, I'm thankful that photography has been something that I've been able to do as a career and, and earn a modest living at. And, and to me, I'm grateful for that. But that's not the reason I became a photographer. You know, I became a photographer. It was like I was telling you that the episode at the, at the junior high, it was that creative fulfillment and the magic. Uh, that's what the passion was wrapped around. But having the ability to, to earn a living doing that is great. But I'm, you know, my career, like all, all, again, you know, in terms of my, my age, I, you know, I graduated from art school in 1990 and immediately started, um, well, within a year, started a commercial studio. And I would say at that point, 100% of what I did was commercial. I didn't pick up a camera unless I was getting paid to do it. And my pictures were running shoes and perfume bottles and plates of food it was strictly commercial. Um, there is still a, absolutely a creative process involved in making those shots, but I, that's, uh, it's almost like the process benefits uh, external. It's selling a product, it's making an art director happy, it's getting a paycheck, but the internal um, gratification it changes at the beginning. It's great. You're seeing your work either on a billboard or in a magazine and it feels really good. And you're, you're, you, you're jazzed about that. But I, for me, after a while, that um, excitement diminishes a bit. And what happens then, I think it's this almost like this, a turning point or a point in a career where for me, I needed to get back to, taking pictures um, for every reason except being paid. So it was going out and again, learning to see again and learning to shoot um, for my gratification and maybe um, somebody's enjoyment, not to make them buy, you know, uh, snow pants, but just to make them enjoy this something, seeing something the way I saw it. And I've known people 
who haven't done that. And of course, everybody's different. Not everybody needs to do that, but, but it's so easy to get burned out when that commercial motivation becomes all there is. I find that you know, you can burn out really easy. And, and I was getting to that point. And that's why, you know, if you sort of follow that trajectory of my imagery, um, it was really commercial based. And then it's, you know, it's sort of balanced out now. So commercial is still a part of what I do. And teaching is still a part of what I do. I love both of those things. But also shooting personal work is the, probably for me um, the most important ingredient to, to enable me to continue doing those other things. It's what recharges my battery. It's what um, gives me the opportunity to try new things or take a, a risk from a photo standpoint. And it's you sort of hop off the, what's the, the rabbit, the hamster wheel. You can hop off. Um, I can always hop back on. But if you don't get a chance to hop off, everything, I think, again, this is my opinion, everything suffers. Your creativity suffers, your motivation suffers, um, your gratification suffers. So finding that balance is, is I think, really important. And, and the fulcrum where that balance lies, of course, will be different for everybody. But my experience was if I didn't get out there and take pictures of trees and sticks and, and water and clouds, um, I, w I would just not have as much interest in shooting snow pants and, and perfume bottles. Well, let, let me ask you just one quick question. Uh, how do those, so uh, the process through which you approach photography for, your, for yourself, your spiritual self, and then the process in which you're shooting for other people, um, how do they influence each other? So like, uh, for example, I, I mean, I definitely don't have a commercial studio, but doing any kind of work where I'm trying to control the lighting or I'm trying to do something um, inevitably will influence how I might take a shot for myself somewhere else. Do they? Do you find that they've played together uh, for you? Did uh, going out and starting to work for yourself change the way you did some commercial photography or, or vice versa? Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, you know, I always tell, again, you know, in school... I tell my students, it doesn't matter what you're photographing. It doesn't matter if it's commercial or art or personal or whatever. From the beginning to the, to the end, all you're doing is you're overcoming challenges. And that might be light. And, and I say challenge in a good way. So, you know, crafting that light the way you want or finding natural light and modifying it the way you want. Composition. Um, and I see all of these little challenges that you you encounter and you solve and then you counter the next one and you solve that it's like a, a recipe so you're adding these ingredients today i'm making this type of photograph so i'm going to use this kind of light and i'm going to compose it this way and i want to use this sort of lens so you're putting all these ingredients in by themselves are nothing but together they make a cake or a beautiful meal or whatever it is and, and so I think, um, again, every time you approach it, for me, um, was thinking of it that way, that, you know, I'm, I'm creating a recipe. And, and the final, I think the final purpose, again, can be slightly different, whether it's an advertising shot or personal work. But I think first, the, f the first need is to um, gratify yourself, to be proud of what you've done. To, to, to accomplish either solving these problems or challenges and ending up with something at the end where you go, wow, you know, I, I mix these ingredients in just the right way. 
Um, and, and I mean, it's worked otherwise too, where, you know, and this is, I mean, reality where sometimes those things don't come together. They don't work out. You put too much salt or not enough flour or whatever it is. And at the end, you're like, well, okay. It, you know, it's not the shot that I was hoping to get. But even in those instances, if you are, and we've talked about this before, if you're present with what you're doing, you acknowledge that and that becomes a learning experience so that you're better equipped the next time you go out to make a picture. So yeah, they, they, my personal work and the things that I do outside of a commercial practice absolutely inform what I do commercially. Because I think um, you have the opportunity to maybe experiment a bit more or take a few more risks if you're shooting for yourself. It's less likely to happen on a, say, a commercial job because there's people, first of all, paying you to do something specific and they are probably not interested in you taking that time to try new risky things. And when you do, you know, doing personal pictures, take those risks, they either are successful or not. And both of those are good. Um, again, it's something I always tell my students, you know, the, the, the cliche I use is the word hard isn't synonymous with bad. Hard is not bad. Hard can be really, really good because that's where you grow and you learn and you make yourself a better photographer. And the time to really, you know, challenge yourself and try hard things um, is, is shooting for yourself. So those two absolutely have to fit together. In my practice, it has. Do you think, um, so throughout your career and your uh, life as an artist, um, do you have an opinion about where we're at uh, commercially and artistically sort of in the world of photography now? So we talked a little bit about maybe the democratization of photography through the iPhone or whatever, uh, smartphones and the uh, fact that every device we have has some form of a camera on it. Um, are there trends that you're seeing that, you know, is it thinning out? Is it getting more difficult or the opposite? Is it actually, is there more space to find uh, work or, or uh, an audience? Um, <laughs> that that one make, makes me think. Um, there is, we've been inundated, say, in the last five or 10 years um, visually. And for a lot of reasons, you know, um, the internet and digital media um, is way more accessible in a lot of cases than um, print ever was. And that's good and that's bad. Um, the, the camera that's in my iPhone is now better than my first digital uh, camera. And that's good and bad. And I think, uh, it, it, again, it falls on the, well, the artist, but also the person we, everybody, every one of us has this, um, arena of imagery that's put in front of us. And, and again, I'll, I'll uh, sort of compare it to food. Um, you need to have a well-balanced diet. So I love Instagram. I love participating, photographing. I love seeing work. But it's not a really uh, in-depth consumption of art. Sometimes you see little bits and pieces there that are. But for the most part, it's a light meal. It's, it's not, you know, this really beautiful dining four course meal that you might have at a fancy restaurant. I love the fact that, that both of those are available, but it's up to either the photographer or the consumer or the viewer to balance their nutrition. 
so of course I'm on Instagram, maybe almost constantly, probably more than I should be, but I also love either, you know, ordering a book or going to the library and getting a book of, you know, say photography by Alfred Stieglitz, you know, and that to me is that well-rounded four course meal where you eat the, the experience of consuming is as important as the result that you get. It makes you think differently or see differently. But I love Instagram. I love to see people take pictures of their dogs. I love those things as well. And, and a lot of, probably a lot of what I've said today is, is that thing about balance, right? Too much of one thing is probably not good. But I'm, I'm all for, you know, I'm certainly still an old guy that will yell at kids to get off the lawn. But I still love Instagram and I take, I don't think a day goes by where I don't take at least one photo with my phone. And I'm so thankful for that because these are instances where maybe I'm not able to or don't have the time to set up a camera and do that slow four course meal thing. Um, so thank, thankfully I can, I can do it with my iPhone, but you need both. And I think it's important for people, especially if they're a photographer or an artist to make sure that they take time to experience both. Because if you're just doing one, you know, uh, uh, Instagram or social media, it has got volume, but maybe not so much depth. Sometimes it does. Whereas that four course meal takes a lot of time and dedication, but it, there's a depth there that you can't get from social media. So um, yeah, well-balanced diet is important. <laughs> Here's another message from one of our two sponsors today. ATB was built to help Alberta businesses, from CEBA applications to deferrals to advice. Whatever your business is facing right now, ATB is here to help give clarity in unclear times. To learn more, visit atb.com. If Greg has taught me anything, it's that living at extremes is the path to burning out. I have to accept both ends of the spectrum, be it commercial, fine art, art, social media, fries and broccoli. Well, what about you? How close do you live in the middle? How balanced are you? And like me, have you experienced burnout? This week, I challenge those of you that feel this way to put away your camera and just to go for a walk. Live in that tension as a photographer that sees images that could have worked but also try to live in the moment, being a part of the world that we work so hard to capture. Separation can reinvigorate us. Whether you walk on a mountain, in a park, or just around the block, there's so much life happening around you. We just need to find a way to live within it, and then we can appreciate the opportunity we have to work with it in our art. What's your favorite sound? Oh, my favorite sound. Well, you know, I guess I, I love, Oh yes, I do remember reading that. And I remember what my first thought was. And my first thought was the Tragically Hip. I mean, it's music, but it's sound. And, and I, I love that band. So anytime I hear Tragically Hip, I'm like, ah, everything just seems a little better. <laughs> but the other sound sound is, um, you know, Dave, a lot of what I'm gonna say will make reference probably to how old I am. Um, so I'll apologize in advance for that, but I love the sound of a motor drive on my FE2, my Nikon 35 millimeter film camera. 
something about that sound just to me it's the sound of creation <laughs> and and of course you know the digital cameras all have a sound but there's something about that that motorized chunky sound that you get from those old cameras i really like that too i did a sort of a brief search for sound effects and yeah anything where people have recorded those mechanical shutters it, yeah it has a different tone i don't know there's very different even though theoretically they do the same thing in a manner of speaking but that's the thing but <laughs> but that's where the sound comes in right and it's and it's i think people are becoming a lot more aware like there's all of these things now whether it's being able to fall asleep or sounds that calm you down. I can't remember the term. Is it ASMR? That sounds familiar. Yeah, I think that's right. It's like some people just love the sound of Velcro peeling apart or a cat purring and all of those things are good. But yeah, give me an old fashioned film motor drive any day. <laughs> Such a photographer. It's great. Exactly. That's right. <laughs> 